Welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. My guest today on the Think MHK podcast is Brian Rempe, Brian's CEO of Civic Plus, which is obviously a major employer for Manhattan. And we're glad to have Brian on the show. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me, Jason. So talk a little bit about how you ended up in Manhattan and how you ended up with Civic Plus. The thing that brought me to Manhattan is very similar story to a lot of people, K-State. Um, I actually grew up in a small town about an hour northeast of here, a farm town, and uh, came to K-State, which was the big city for me, com- coming out of uh, Corning, Kansas. Um, loved it here. Um, actually, my wife is from Randolph, and both of us um, came to K-State and, and loved it here and uh, wanted to raise our family here. So basically, from there, it was trying to figure out how we were going to build our careers and take it from there to be able to stay here because we loved it. And you were a computer science major I was, then? yeah. So computer science undergrad, and then I actually got my MBA at K-State as well. Oh, okay. So you got the business and the That's and right. the IT side. That's and so right. did you go to work for Civic Plus right out of college? Um, no, I actually was, while I was in school, I was working for what was a competitor at the time um, as an intern, which was a, a company called VP1 Technologies. And I actually went to work for them directly out of uh, school. And then Civic Plus started to um, win a lot of the uh, competitive deals against us. And uh, while I was getting my MBA, uh, one of my professors worked for a department of K-State called AMI. I went to work there and I helped them like we worked with inventors and entrepreneurs to put business plans together and actually started a little bit of a software team there, uh, which led me to Civic Plus eventually because one of my interns that worked for me at AMI went to Civic Plus and they gave him my name and they recruited me over and uh, the rest is history there. That's a great story. Yeah. Um, for the few people who don't know, talk about what Civic Plus does. First, say we started as a business that was focused on um, building websites for cities and counties. And we've expanded beyond that to really be the we are the hub between a citizen and government. So really anything that has to do with technology that brings citizens closer to government, that's what we do. So Parks and Rec, we you can sign your um, daughter or son up for baseball or softball. You can uh, go on to council meetings. You can um, uh, submit a, a request to fix a pothole. Basically, almost anything that a citizen will do, uh, Civic Plus builds software that makes that happen. Uh, we have about 7,500 customers in every state. Um, we're also in Canada and Australia as well, but uh, our main focus is the United States. Almost all are cities and counties. Do you know what your penetration rate is? Because it seems like every time I go on a city or county <laughs> site, you get that little CP logo up in the left-hand corner. Yeah, I would say in terms of websites, we're probably about 20%. Um, across the rest of the business, we're a little bit we're lower than that. It depends on how you look at it. I mean, if you look at like um, special districts and there's all these kind of different um, areas we could go, there's like 90,000 of those. But if you look at kind of our focus area, we're about 20% in terms of websites. Yeah, because it sure seems like you guys have a lot of them. So how many employees does Civic Plus have and overall and how many of those are in Manhattan? Yeah, so we're about 600 now. Um, and of that 600, just under 200 here in Manhattan, it's still, it is our headquarters, but we're actually in about 40 states now in terms of staff. And a lot of those are work at home or some are work at home or are they all in offices? Today, we are still entirely work at home. There's, there are a number of people that do go into the office, but our offices haven't opened up yet. We will hopefully here in the next um, few weeks, we'll be opening up. We have uh, another, so some of the acquisitions we've made, um, we have 
have kind of a centralized group of employees there, but um, a large majority of our staff are work from home. So we talked about how you ended up at Civic Plus. When and how did you make the decision that this was a company that you wanted to be with long term? I would say not long after I started there, maybe just maybe six months after I started, I realized like there's something different about this. In fact, as part of what attracted me there, um, there was something different about this business that and it wasn't because of the facilities. We, you know, it was at that point we were in, uh, I guess it would be third and Houston Street. There was I think they've done a lot of work on it since then. But um, at that point, it was not a great place to recruit to necessarily, but just the people Um, you could tell that there was just. just a focus on growth, a focus on, it was a family atmosphere. My goal was to go start my own business, um, build my own software business somewhere. And I realized that like, I've got all the opportunities to do it here at Civic Plus and and have just a, a great environment and a great start to make that happen. So was that culture set by Ward or was yeah, absolutely. it? Absolutely. Okay, so Ward Morgan. I've learned a ton from Ward in terms of setting culture. That was, that you could tell there's very little Ward does that isn't purposeful, um, even the small things. And so I'll just, give you one example. We always had pop and available for everybody and um, would bring donuts in on Fridays. And I was going through a process of trying to figure out how to save some money at one point. And that was something that he very quickly said, you're not touching that. It wasn't a lot of money, but what he but what he was uh, communicating to me was having those little small things that are investing in your people means a lot. And you need to invest further there rather than finding that as kind of your first thing to cut. So you guys do have good pop machines. Yes, we do. <laughs> and we've got beer now too. <laughs> Talk about your rise in the company and then when you beca- ultimately became CEO. Yeah. So I started as the, I, I guess I would have been the manager of product engineering. So kind of led a small team of developers. I think when I started in the company, we had maybe 25 employees or something like that. And um, maybe five or six that were focused on development early on. Well, almost everybody reported to Ward and uh, could tell that there was definitely a kind of vacuum in leadership there that we needed to kind of solve for. So we started, I would say probably within the first year or two, we developed a leadership team. And um, at, through that process, I kind of moved up and through the development side and then became chief strategy officer, um, which basically was just thinking about what are we going to do in, you know, three years from now? Because at that point, it was like, what do we need to do tomorrow? You know, that was kind of the focus and then became chief operating officer and and then CEO from there. I've probably been CEO for about five years now. So I guess, and I've been at the company for 14. So you guys have grown fairly quickly, certainly in, in compared to a lot of companies. So you talked about you were 25 when you started in 600 today. Um, and you've been recognized by uh, uh, Inc. Magazine as, as a Inc. 5000 company for the last 11 years. So what has been the secret to Civic Plus being able to grow as quickly as you have? I think the key thing would be that uh, I'd say two things. One is we found our niche and have built a team that is passionate about it. Uh, it's not just about growth for growth's sake, but we're doing something that people can buy into, that we're making the world a better place. And in terms of we're making it easier for citizens to access the services they need and people can get behind that. Um, we've been able to build a really passionate team about what we do, not just in terms of growth. And then the second piece of it is we've just continually invested back in the business every single time that we generate cash, we bring it right back into the business and put it into sales and marketing and 
into product development and and really across the business. And I think having something, a very specific focus on an area we can win and then investing in that over and over has really kind of contributed to that. So never any thoughts about expanding into other markets? Always or? thoughts about okay. that. Yeah. I, gotcha. I mean, I, it's I, honestly, we kind of have to slap our own hands a lot because it's very easy to say, why aren't we in states? Why aren't we in other countries? You know, and I, I think eventually that'll be the case. But what we realize is there's a great opportunity in what we're doing right now. We're making a difference and uh, we think we can just continue to go deeper there. So I think a lot of people in the community, in the region, uh, both first recognized your success when you started building your new facility. I mean, that's a pretty big statement from it a was. company. Um, how has that impacted the company culture? How has it impacted your ability to grow? How has it impacted um, just overall the success of Civic Plus? Well, first and foremost, it was uh, you, you talked about kind of just the presence in the community changed. The biggest impact immediately was recruiting. Um, I talked about kind of the facility I walked into when I was being recruited and we started recruiting from outside the region, trying to bring people in. We needed a place that people could say, yeah, this is a place I could be at. And the facility is the first, you know, that's the opening to that. So for sure, it was a huge impact on our recruiting and continue ha has been able to do that for us. The other piece is our culture. We've, uh, before we moved there, we were in five different buildings or five different kind of floors of buildings. And so just being able to be together, first of all, there wasn't an area that could hold all of us. And second of all, you're walking across the street up upstairs and, and there really wasn't a way to kind of bring everybody together. So the, the facility really allowed us to be able to say, you know, this is us, this is our team. And I think it reflects our culture much better than, than than what we were before. I don't know. It still feels new to a lot of people, but how long have you been in there now? Yeah, since 2014. Okay. Yeah. So you're almost eight years. In. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think that. And I will say, um, it's, it's not exactly what you're asking, but I think it's really relevant that we decided to build that when we were, Ward and I were getting it in early walkthrough of the Discovery Center before it opened up. And we looked out and we're like, we need to build here. I've had a vision from early on of having an, a space where not just our building itself, but around it where people are at, where people want to be restaurants and, and within walking distance. And of course, Ward's put a big investment in, in downtown since that point. And that's that's one of the big reasons why he did that. So just the location has been huge for us as well. So along those lines, obviously the pandemic has impacted the office culture. You talked a little bit about where you were in that process now, but how did you decide what move to make and when? And then when do you decide, how do you decide when to come back? It was, It has been, I'm sure just like everybody else has been uh, one of the biggest challenges of my career. So originally to close, it just, it came down to um, staff safety. And really from the very beginning, it's been, how do we make sure that we don't put staff at risk. The good thing for us being a tech company, there's very few positions that need to be on site that are required to be in person. We were able to shift to remote very um, efficiently. And I'd say our IT team did a great job. I mean, it's not like it was without a lot of effort, but we didn't have to have some of the the, the things that other businesses do as far as being face-to-face. -face. And that's been what's really driven us from that point as to why we're not open even today. We're always just said, you know, staff safety first. I will say that I think a lot of our staff have gotten used to it and have really enjoyed it. I don't see us ever being back to where we were in terms of people being in the office. I think our office will always be kind of a central location for people to come and meet and have broader meetings together. But um, going there on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm not sure a lot of people will do that. So do you see that as, and I know it's, it's obviously difficult to 
to predict what's going to happen. But do you see that not just for Civic Plus, but across the board being the trend in office space going Absolutely. forward? I, I actually, I think, especially I'll specifically say in tech companies, um, it would be a, a detriment to your ability to recruit people if you didn't allow stay home at this point. Yeah. And we've seen we've seen some of that in, in our work as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it definitely changes how the office may look. I know we have we're working and finishing up a project in our uh, office where open concept was the way and now we're doing walls yes. and making sure that people have their own spaces for, for safety, but also for Zoom. So it, it's interesting how that impacts other parts of the economy, right? For long term, not just during the pandemic. You all are in acquisition mode or seem to be you, you have announcements periodically about acquiring companies. How has that strategy impacted uh, your organization? Well, significantly. Um, I mean, and I think it goes back to the original, the question you asked me about how we've been able to grow the way we have. It comes back to that we saw an opportunity for the company to take a step forward and be aggressive. And what we've been able to do is really find companies that had a great product, but were just before the stages of being able to invest in sales and marketing the way that they could. And so being able to bring a great product that's found a fit in the market that kind of skips past maybe three to five years worth of effort of trying to build that product yourself, but then be able to apply it to our 7,500 customers and, and our sales and marketing abilities has been uh, just a, a tremendous way for us to grow and a new path for us to grow. I think probably our biggest restraint now is finding the right fit companies. And especially as we get larger, we're probably looking for larger and larger companies that that we're trying to acquire. And there's just fewer and fewer of those. But in terms of a, a growth strategy, it's been a huge impact for us. So you're acquiring technology that you can apply to your platforms and sell to your customers. Are you also acquiring talent? I mean, is that we part are. of the process? Absolutely. Too? Absolutely. I can't think of a deal that we would have done if talent would have been part of that and being able to add talent to our overall talent base. So let's talk a little bit about Manhattan. So what makes Manhattan a good place for a company like uh, Civic Plus to grow? And what are the challenges? Uh, in I would Manhattan? say the two main benefits are one, um, having Kansas State and being able, we've got great relationships with professors. We're getting access to the great students before other companies are able to do that. And those great um, students that become great employees of ours then know the know future students, and it just becomes a flywheel of of pipeline that's been just huge for us. The second piece is we're able to and have relationships with the chamber, with city, with the county, with with others around the city that I don't think we would be able to have in, you know, a larger city. You talked about us building our building. I mean, a lot of that was based on work that we did with the chamber and the city and in the state that I don't know would have existed if we were in a larger city. Um, I'd say those are two of, the, two of the biggest things. I think it's absolutely true. The Midwestern values of employees that are hardworking, loyal employees that um, are really thinking company first. You don't see that uh, across the country. Um, and I don't know if that's specifically unique to Manhattan, but for sure to the Midwest. And then some of the challenges maybe that that you have operated I think probably the biggest challenge is not as much a challenge for us today, but has been a challenge is, is recruiting um, specific positions. Um, there are a lot of positions that have been uh, we've been able to recruit just fine, um, but there are specific uh, specifically executives being able to recruit them, especially when they need to be here, because then there was always a, the concern of, well, if it doesn't work out with you, what does that mean for you know my next position? And then also there's the spouse piece. That's not as big of an issue for us today because 
I, I would uh, so my leadership team, um, three of us are here, two in Texas and one in Florida. It's not nearly the challenge it used to be. You know, I think people can look at that two ways. I mean, obviously, it's disappointing that the whole leadership team isn't in Manhattan. But conversely, if you keep having trouble getting a full leadership team in Manhattan, eventually companies have to think about, well, maybe we need to move the leadership team to one of our other locations. So there's two ways to look at it. We prefer to look at it as a positive way. Yes. We, the headquarters is still here. And and of course, you guys are, are a very important part of our social fabric and, and ec- economy. So um, we're, we're happy about that. And anything we can do to help, we obviously want to help. We talked a little bit about Ward a minute ago and, and what an important piece of this community he is and continues to be. But um, and we've talked a lot about this at the chamber uh, and, uh, and with our economic development division about this idea that we need more startups and we need more entrepreneurs. And those are the truly high impact long term companies because you get more people like Ward Morgan and Dave Dryling and Gary Jones and, you know, these these people who who start companies and 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 then give back philanthropically and, um, and economically, what can Manhattan do to be better at that? I will say first, it's a passion of mine. I mean, it's something that, um, I've spent a lot of time talking with Sarah Siders at Spark and, and others about that. I think this is, you know, obviously growth in Manhattan is a huge concern right now and could be a huge part of our future growth if we get this right. And I think some of the things that I've uncovered just through some of the work that I've been doing with her and, and, and the broader group is that, we have to improve the ecosystem um, in terms of just connecting people to know that there is a startup community here. Um, there's actually more here than I think a lot of people know or give credit to. Those folks don't know each other and they, they're kind of on an island. And I think um, making sure that, you know, there's always discussion around incubator. And I think that's a great thing. And, and having the uh, financing available, I think that's huge as well. However, I think just a simple thing, I don't I shouldn't call it simple, but the first stage of just being able to connect that and building an ecosystem and a, and a community around it so that we can start to find those entrepreneurs and we and that they're not standing on their own trying to figure out path. And I had a discussion with that group not too long ago that there's a bank in town that was huge for us. Um, not sure if I can say it on here, but uh, but there was, a, there was a bank that was huge for us in terms of our growth. And we just happened to have that relationship. What happens if that relationship doesn't happen in terms of, you talked about the acquisition strategy we had, that may never happen. Um, and I wonder how many entrepreneurs, would-be entrepreneurs, don't quite get there because they don't have those connections. And I think that would be huge for Manhattan if we can figure out how to put that ecosystem and connect some of those pieces that that aren't connecting today. And of course, you referenced Spark, uh, Spark MHK. Sometimes it gets confusing because there's the Spark Committee. Correct. We had ours first, uh, uh, by the way. <laughs> but that's a program that the chamber partnered with some private sector uh, groups to form. And we had talked about bringing on a full-time entrepreneurship person. And I've had some experience in other communities doing that. Uh, but in this scenario, it was, hey, let's let's bring all these people together and do this together. And, and the whole idea is exactly what you said. We can, we can connect people better if there's just one spot uh, that does that. And so we continue to be supportive of Spark and we think the opportunities are tremendous. We had, of course, uh, you were part of a committee that met uh, last year that was, I, I call it kind of a blue ribbon entrepreneurship committee to take a look at at facility and what we could do with facilities. But, but as you said, there were a lot of people in there that 
that I think didn't know each other. So those meetings were, were interesting. Maybe talk a little bit about that. Did you did you find them productive as you began talking to some of the other? We had older entrepreneurs, so people had been in business for decades, and then we had some who were just starting their business for the first time. Oh, absolutely. It was, you know, uh, Dennis Mullen comes to mind as, as somebody that I always looked up to, and it was great to be able to spend some time with him. And like you said, then there was new faces that, I can't remember exactly the technology, but some sort of microwave technology that's being built here that um, I just met him for the first time. And um, actually, we've continued. He's part of that same. Austin continue, Yeah, Austin yeah, has yeah. been uh, continuing that discussion with how do we build an ecosystem? system around this. And it was really unique. And I, and it's, I think that's the point, right? Like that, that kind of group probably doesn't, there's, there's not a lot of places for them to get together right now and share those kinds of ideas for a Dennis Mullen to be able to talk to an Austin, to be able to talk about, you know, some of the challenges they're facing and the more we can create those kinds of opportunities, the better. So basically just for everybody's understanding, we're working on actually looking at a potential facility in Aggieville to kind of be the central location for uh, a startup ecosystem. We call it the front door, right? So yeah. the front door for entrepreneurs. And uh, I think that even that discussion has sparked future discussions that we've continued to have about how do we make this bigger than just that that front door. Uh, going back to Civic Plus, uh, what does the future look like for Civic Plus? And, and what does it look like in Manhattan to the best of your forecasting ability? Yeah, we're still committed to Manhattan. So I'll say that first of all, I mean, we love Manhattan. Um, I, I will say this. And, and so today we're owned by a private equity firm alongside Ward and Brenda Morgan. So, um, and they're based out of New York City. I would say the fact that we're based in Manhattan is more positive than negative every single time we've talked to somebody like them. There's never, ever been a discussion we've had with somebody um, at a private equity firm about you guys should move or why are you there? It's actually much bit more been about um, actually one of our competitors um, was based in um, uh, Silicon Valley and they moved. They actually moved to the outside the Denver area. But I think folks actually see this uh, this kind of location as much more of a strategic move than as a negative uh, in terms of Civic Plus. We'll, we'll continue to be here We're around 600 employees like we talked about, um, I think. Um, we really see that we're going to be um, over the next three to five years could be triple that really not just because we want to grow. It's because there's great opportunity for us to bridge even more gaps that exist. One of the, I guess you want to call it positive from the pandemic has been a clarity in not only government, but I think really everywhere that technology is a huge part of, we can't rely on specifically for government. We can't rely on people have to go to city hall to pay their tax bill or something. Right. Um, and so there's been a, a deep, uh, much deeper investment in technology and weeks. We see that's going to be a huge opportunity for us continuing going forward. Yeah, you probably had an interesting dynamic where everybody shut off their investments and then all of a sudden you you had through rescue dollars and other things that came in. Now it's like, oh, we need to upgrade all these things. Pretty interesting sales curve. In it, that was, period. it was uh, just like everybody else, I'm sure. It was, uh, I guess it would have been what, March and April of 2020. But things picked up very quickly after that. Last question before we get to our quick topics. But um, and, and I know you guys have been engaged in the chamber, but more so on the economic development side than, than the other parts. But how has being a chamber member been a positive for Civic Plus? I, I don't think we'd have, be in our building if it wasn't for the chamber and the relationships we had there and the relationships the chamber had in order to help us kind of bridge a lot of things that we didn't know about in terms of um, state funding and county funding and, you know, all of those things. And so just I'd say just 
in a broader sense, just being an advocate for us and helping us kind of find areas that we didn't necessarily know about as we've kind of just been feeling our way through as we've been growing. I would say that's first and foremost. And then the second piece would be just relationships we've built with other chamber members. <laughs> Steel and Pipe is one that I'll just specifically talk to. Um, Matt's been a, a great uh, confidant and, and uh, a mentor of mine, and we meet on a regular basis. And I think some of that um, relationship was built through the chamber. Yeah, of course, uh, Matt, I don't know if he'll admit this, but he was part of the reason that I'm here. He was the chair when we went through that process. And I consider Matt, I think he's younger than me, but I consider him a mentor of mine too. So yeah. uh, he's he's a great Great person. We have a lot of great leaders uh, at the chamber and, and you all and you and Ward both uh, we consider to be in that in that group, too. So thank you all thank for, you. for being um, engaged. We have another segment of our podcast that we all usually end with in our member spotlights, and that is rapid fire questions. And right. So we have 10 questions and we're going to shoot them to you. So here we go. What are you currently reading or is your favorite book? Bill Snyder. Uh, I'm reading the Bill Snyder book right All now. All right. All right. And then it's, and you can tell it's going to be your favorite too. Is that oh, a favorite? No, uh, no, I'm just asking. Is okay. that, is that going to oh, be? It's your... on its way. I mean, it's, it's been a lot of fun to read so far. What is your favorite holiday? Tie between Christmas and Independence Day. You know, I do too, but I think you're the first person that said that. So yeah. that's always, it's always interesting. Uh, what three words describe living in Manhattan? Family, close knit and uh, supportive. Favorite flavor of ice cream? Whatever one I can get my hands on. I got a sweet tooth. There you go. But I, I got it. Call. You, you can't, okay. can't go wrong with call. Right. That's a good answer. <laughs> Samsung, Apple, or something else? Samsung all the way. Although Apple does a great job of forcing others to try to force you to change so that you can, you don't have video issues and all of that, but Samsung all the way. Uh, first and favorite concert? Uh, my first concert would have actually been Country Stampede. I don't know which one it was and who was there, but but I, I went to that quite a few times. My favorite favorite concert, Toby Mac. I don't know if you know Toby Mac, uh -huh, but sure. uh, actually went right before the pandemic, like almost immediately before the pandemic was in Sprint Center. Okay. Favorite meal? Steak all the way. And more specifically, I would say pretty much anything you can get at Bourbon and Baker. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And, and Harry's before uh, yes, the, the unfortunate yes. demise. Texting or talking? Texting. I'm an introvert. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite business book? Good to great. Jim Collins. That's a good book. I think I might know who this is, but maybe I might be surprised. Who is the first person that comes to mind when you hear the word successful business person in life? <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Ward Morgan. Absolutely. Um, I, and he's taught me everything I know. And, um, He's just one of the smartest business people I've ever met. And he's so unassuming about it. There's no question about it. He is one of the more humble business leaders who has been as successful as he has and I've ever met. Yeah. And that's uh, a tribute to, to his character. Absolutely. And his wife, Brenda, is the same way. My experience is the same. So, Brian, first of all, thank you so much for all you do for this community. And, and we so much appreciate Civic Plus and, and, and everything that they're a part of. Uh, and specifically, thank you for being with us today on our podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.